Hey there, I'm Ari Stein, and this is the 52 Insights Podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with one of the bravest and most prolific hip-hop artists working today, Denzel Curry. A fearless warrior with a mic, Denzel has channeled immense hardships into his work, and in doing so has garnered an enormous audience, more often for his thoughtful and sometimes brutally honest prose. He's gained millions of followers on his social media, and his fans range from Billie Eilish to Thundercat and Glass Animals. They see what I see, a man who isn't afraid to tell it like it is, and that means offering himself up for scrutiny as well. Curry is a 27-year-old rapper and singer who hails from Florida, a pioneer of the SoundCloud rap genre, synonymous with artists such as the late XXX Tentacion, of which Denzel used to live with, Takashi 69 and Lil Uzi Vert. His mixtapes garnered huge acclaim early on, followed by several critically lauded albums. Now, with his 2022 record, Melt My Eyes See Your Future, firmly in hand for many best of 2022 lists, he sits down with me to discuss his life. In this chat, I wanted to focus less on the music he was writing, but more on the man. We discussed his gnawing motivation to prove himself, hip-hop's misogyny problem, how therapy changed his life years after suffering from depression and anger, the murder of his cousin, his writing process, and what writer's block looks like for him. He has made public some of the traumas which he's been through, but we did steer clear of that in this discussion. This chat is about two people from very different backgrounds finding common ground, a way to speak about pain and catharsis, It took us a while to find a footing, but when we did, we share some beautiful moments of honesty. I enjoyed this conversation immensely. And make sure you listen right to the end, where Denzel offers us a beautiful surprise, laying down his favourite flow from his career. And please, subscribe to the 52 Insights podcast on Apple and Spotify, and sign up to my newsletter to get notifications of when my next interview will show up. Love it or hate it, leave me a comment on the 52 Insights podcast page or hit me up on social media. Your comments help keep this platform alive. Denzel Curry, welcome to the 52 Insights podcast. What's up? What's up? How are you feeling today? I'm good. I just came back from kickboxing. Are you, but you're back home now? Nah, nah, nah. I'm in London. Ah, wow. So you found a kickboxing place in London. Yeah. You know, when you know him, there's many resources. Yeah. So it wasn't Muay Thai, it was kickboxing, or is it the same thing? Well, it was Muay Thai, actually. Because I'm based in Stockholm, actually. My friend does Muay Thai here. Oh, shit, for real? Yeah, she uh, she comes back regularly with bruises all across her body. So I'm like, have you been with someone? Or have you <laughs> you've been out. So no, she, she loves it, though. No, it's fun as hell. You ever get a few kind of serious knocks? What? What do you mean? Like getting knocked down? Yeah. You ever been knocked out? I mean, no. I got hit with a liver shot and that shut my body down. Yeah. That shit hurts. Yeah. Can imagine. I'm really excited to be speaking with you. I don't know how you're feeling about me. I'm sure I'm one of many interviews you've uh, you've completed over the last week, right? Uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're one of the brightest stars in the world of hip hop today. And I'm really looking forward to kind of, you know, exploring your world. And and I think you've got a, a lot of really interesting things to say. And 
I know you're in London right now. You've just finished up one of Europe's biggest festivals, Reading and Leeds, because I've been there. It's quite a wild experience. How was it? Man, Leeds was dope. It was like really good. And then Reading just took the cake after. Like, like I thought Leeds was already dope, but like when I went to Reading, it was just crazier. So they like they split it out, right? It's like ready for those that don't know, like it's not one entire festival, like they have it in two places. Yeah. So we do leads first. We did leads first. Some people do it in reverse. Some people do Reading first and then they do leads. We did leads and then did Reading. And I haven't been, I haven't had the uh, the honor of seeing a, a Denzel show, but I've seen some like YouTube videos. It looks absolutely insane. Like, can you describe the atmosphere or, or the tone at the, the Reading and Le- Leeds festivals? The tone, it was just energetic. It was like very energetic, you know, and chaotic, but in a good way, not in a like unorganized way, you know, like certain festivals that I'm not going to name off the back of my hand, you feel me? But when it came down to Reading and Leeds, it was just like super dope. Like everybody was responsive. They came to see a show. They came to have a good time. And that's all I wanted. And I only had like a 30 minute set. So it was really easy for me. 30 minutes is nothing. I uh, I just started to go and see live shows. So it's been like a two year hiatus as it probably was with you. I don't know how you were coping with COVID. What were you doing during that time? Mainly uh, hanging out with my family, one. Two, recording a lot. That's how I was able to get the album done. You know, I stayed focused and just took whatever was happening in the pandemic and just used it to my advantage, you know? And also just doing a lot of martial arts and training and doing lots of Muay Thai, lots of sparring, lots of technique building and, you know what I'm saying? Just a lot of stuff, man. What do you think about what the pandemic... Sorry, go on. Oh, and therapy. That was the last thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a minute. But in terms, you said you used COVID, the pandemic, to your advantage. There were a lot of disadvantages as well. A lot of people suffered. I'm sure people around you, people around me as well. I think, do you feel we don't really fully understand the depth of of what it did to us? It's too early in the game? Or how do you feel it affected you? Well, obviously, like a lot of people, a lot of production people that was um, on the road a lot and doing a lot of stuff for these like rigging companies when it comes down to lighting and stuff like that. You know, a lot of those guys left and have nine to five jobs now. So, you know, they couldn't really depend on building stuff because there was no shows for the last two years and people were getting, you know what I'm saying? Desperate. They didn't have no money. So they went and got regular jobs. Yeah. And then also people are working from the comfort of their homes. And, you know, it's kind of weird going back into an office now, you know, it kind of just I think it was a much needed break. One, but two, it was just a lot because we've seen a lot in front of our faces when it came down to how the government was handling things when it came down to the George Floyd situation, how it was handling things when it came down to people not having money to work. And it was just a lot, man. And even just dealing with people just on a day-to-day basis. And then when the money runs out, like even to a point where um, people are starting to rob people or do home invasions, it was crazy. I've seen a lot of things happen during that time. And now we're going through a recession. So Yeah. You saw that with your own eyes in your own community, people really desperate. Yeah. Very desperate. Yeah. I feel like I was becoming more vulnerable as time progressed. Because 
I had to like face a lot of things that I wasn't facing when it was like 2018, 2019, but 2020 and 2021, I was able to like face a lot of things like, you know? Yeah. You're promoting your latest record, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, as part of this tour you're doing in the UK, right? I mean, I did a tour in the uh, UK. I just did Reading and Leeds. That was the only thing really. But yeah, but we are promoting the vinyl coming out also and the deluxe also. So we're promoting both. And how do you like Europe, Denzel? Is that your real name, by the way? Yes. My mother and my father gave me that name. Denzel Curry is my real name. Okay. I just wanted to double check. So how do you like Europe? What do you, what do you see that you don't see in America? Do you get, when you first came to Europe, it must have been a bit of culture shock for you or? Oh, when I came to Europe for the first time? Yeah. And even when you come back consistently, are there things that you wish America would adopt? Are there things that you don't like about Europe or? Oh, the free healthcare and the free education. That I wish America would like adopt. But it's a capitalist kind of game and we could get super into that. But it's just, you know, like the free healthcare. People need free healthcare, man. Like, you know, because a lot of people get sick. Like, it's inevitable that people get, get sick. No one's impervious to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why not go to the doctor and get it checked out for free? But, and with education. If you break your foot, you don't even want to go to the doctors in America because you're scared of what the insurance, you don't have insurance, what it's going to cost you. So Exactly. It'll cost a lot of money. It just costs money. And then with the education, like, we got to pay for college. By the time you finish college, you're like almost... Thirty, maybe to forty thousand dollars in debt, and yeah. then you got to work a regular job to pay it off. If you were to go to college, did you did you did you go to college? No. What would you have studied? What degree? What would you have jumped into? I would have studied film. Oh, amazing! Definitely would study film. If it's not film, it probably would have been literature. Because I I majored in film. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, it didn't really do much for me, but you know. You know, it's interesting. You get to understand context and the way people see the world and stuff. What is it about film that you that you would have enjoyed? Or the directing aspect of it, and, and since I know how to draw, like storyboarding, you know, like being able to sh- see how scenes play out and watching all these movies come up, they're just rehashes and they're stolen shots from other movies that mm. were just older. Interesting. What do you mean by that? Stolen shots. They're all stolen shots. Like if you look at the good and the bad and the ugly. And then you take out of that and put it in the Star Wars, like it's the same exact scene. It's just one's in the West and one's in space. You know what I mean? It's just a setting. You steal the exact same shot. You feel me? Same with like John Woo films. Like you can see a classic John Woo films with the way they did, like Gun Fu. And then you can watch John Wick today and look at all the Gun Fu techniques that they um have or the Matrix. There's a bit of a filmic quality to your music, would you say? Yeah, it's always been. But I see my, well, this newer album was more cinematic, like more like a cinematic movie. That and nostalgic and pretty much majority of my work is like that. But um, with this one specifically, I modeled it after those movies, like the Sergio Leone films and the Akira Kurosawa films, because in America, that's how I felt at the time because I felt like I was standing alone. It was me against all odds. And usually the main protagonist in those movies, well, the antihero is against all odds in some aspect, but there is in the, the rural desert of pretty much the wild, wild west, or you're in a rural part of Japan. What 
if you had to commit to, you know, three films that changed your life, if you really are going to be a film major, they wanted you to put it on your application form. What what would you choose? I would choose Empire Strikes Back from Star Wars. I would choose shit, more or less Kill Bill Volume One. And most likely I would choose uh, got nothing. Dun, dun, dun. The third one, I absolutely changed my life. Absolutely. I mean, those are the main two so far. I have a third one, but it's kind of hard to pick because I got so many options that I love. Think you're going to say uh, a Kira Kurosawa film, maybe? Or I mean, shit. Can I say Kira Kurosawa? Just like the way he directs changed my way of thinking. Yeah. But you got. But I got into him when I got older. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel that you're older now? Yeah, I'm 27. You're so young, man. Yeah. But I'm old. <laughs> you 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 you're very. I find it interesting when younger people say I feel feeling older. You got got a whole lifetime of experiences to soak up on. There's a scene in that Kill Bill film which I found so incredible. I don't know if you remember it, where Uma Thurman goes up into the attic, and she goes to kind of get this amazing uh, weapon, Katana. and this Japanese song comes on. It's the, the strangest scene. Don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember it because, like, the guy, Sonny Chiba, that character he played came from a show called Kage no Gundam. Mm. And it used to play Japan. But in turn, in like, when you translate it to English, it's Shadow Warriors. He plays the exact same character. Yeah, because in the show that he played in when he was younger, he was Hattori Hanzo the first, the second, and the third. This one, he's like, Hattori Hanzo, like the hundredth, like he's the one hundredth um, Hattori Hanzo. So he's playing the same character. Those words kind of don't mean much to me because I don't, I don't understand the references. But you're saying he's from a, a old Japanese show where he plays the same character in Kill Bill. He played years ago in eighties. So you have like a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a fetish, but 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 a love for for Japanese culture because I know that you're also into anime right yeah i got a huge love for japanese culture but japanese culture got a huge love for black culture in what way like how would you describe the synergy the parallels i mean hip-hop they love hip-hop the break dancing the graffiti like everything they adopt hip-hop like solely you feel me where most places don't really do it like that in what way like i'm from australia like we love hip-hop culture as well but what specifically is nuanced about Japan that they they embrace hip hop culture more than other cultures. I mean, I don't know. They just adopted and they styled the swag, like the way they dress, everything. You know what I'm saying? Like they just adopted. It. It's kind of weird. Here's a question I want to ask you, Denzel. You came out recently and you said something like, "I'm the best rapper in the world," or were you taken out of context? No, I mean that shit. Why would I not? mean what I say, you know what I'm saying? Because you know what the media does. No, nah, the media just put it out at a bad time. But yeah. at the same time, I was mad at it, but not like, because I felt like they did me dirty. But at the same time, it was like, bro, I know I'm good. Because if Kendrick Lamar or any other rapper came out with the album I made, y'all would be sucking a dick right now. <laughs> but since it's me, y'all like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
but but here's what I want to know. Like in hip hop culture, you can tell me like, you know, I'm wrong. I'm just, this is just a hunch I'm, I want to, I want to riff with you. There seems to be a level of bravado that you have to provoke or inhabit in order to be part of that culture. So a lot of people like I'm thinking of Kanye and, you know, even Kendrick wearing like a crucifix lately. I don't know. It it feels like they have like a bit of a Jesus complex or there's like, they have to constant consistently say they're the best because it is part of the culture. I mean, of course you see it in other genres. If you think of the band Oasis, but they get ridiculed because, you know, the Gallagher brothers constantly say they're the best in the world. Do you think it's specific to hip hop culture that you have to bring that level of bravado? Yes. If you start, if I start saying it more, more people will want me to prove it. The more I prove it, the more people will start believing in it. The more they believe it, then it becomes an argument. Once it becomes an argument, then he start arguing. Then he start listening. Then he start hearing it because it's in your face. If I keep saying I'm the best rapper, I don't give a fuck who you are. Like a lot of people going to take offense to that. And then if I like prove it, they're going to be like, nah, they're going to still be in denial. And I've just got to keep saying it until it burns into their head. I am the best rapper, period. But do you want to like have a level of humbleness to yourself or let the music or the art speak for itself in a way as well? I've been let the art and the music speak for itself. But it seems like people always want to take the piss out of a nigga. So it's just like I've been humble too damn long. And I'm going to keep being humble, but not too humble. I know what I'm good, what I'm good at. Like right. everybody be humble with this, that, and a third. Well, bitch, you be humble. You chill the fuck out. You can't tell me what the fuck it can do. Yeah. So I'm impressed by that. That in a way, like it's not something I can relate to because you know, I could never have the the courage to get up and say I'm the best in XYZ. I guess like I'm not in the hip hop game either, but you've you've been around for 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 a few years. You've got a couple of albums in your bag and millions of followers on social media. But is there a sense that you're still quite underground in a way there's still a few people that don't know about you? You're still proving yourself, but you've had an amazing journey up until now. You've obviously worked incredibly hard. Tell me about that work ethic or the journey that you've had to take to build this incredible audience and and body of work. I mean, the journey I took was just like an artist's journey. You know what I'm saying? And when it came down to me working hard on what I do, it was always something I had to prove. Like, I feel like I'm at my best when I'm doing shit out of spite of somebody. I would, on purpose, get really good at something just to spite someone later, just to be like, you said I couldn't do this while I'm doing it. Now, who are you thinking of there? Just anybody that just tries me. Somebody called me Goofy the other day because a song I made years ago called Ultimate. And I'm just like, bitch, how the fuck are you going to call me Goofy and you sell fake Louis bags? Like, get the fuck out of my face. Does he, does, does he sell fake Louis bags? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> it looked like he sell fake Louis bags. <laughs> so keep going. So you're in this because you want to prove people wrong? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because everybody takes the piss out of me. Some people try to call me corny. And I'm like, bro, it's one thing if I'm just going by a rap name or whatever and I'm not being true to myself. But the moment I'm being true to myself and corny, like, that's some that's some whack-ass shit. Like, it's just whack as fuck. Like, you can't... If you be somebody else, you're cool. If you be too much of yourself, you lame. Like, it's just crazy. When I know behind co- closed doors, everybody isn't super cool all the time. 
Yeah. But where are you, do you feel like Denzel that there's like, there is a while to go until you reach whatever you're trying to reach. And I don't know what you're trying to reach. I'm not saying your, your goal here is to be the biggest hip hop artist in the world, whatever it is that you feel inside that you need to manifest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So are you halfway there or do you feel like you've accomplished, I'm not even talking about music as a person yourself. No, nah, I didn't accomplish who I said I was going to be yet, but I will. That's the part of manifesting. I will become that person that I said I'm going to be. What 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 person are you thinking of, or are you feeling, or, you, or do you do you do you focus on? What kind of person is that? I mean, just an overall good person, something that inspired people to change. You know what I'm saying? I inspire people. I just want to be that person that inspires everybody to do what they do, you know? And that's where I am. I just want to be able to have music that helps out people. Yeah. If we're being totally honest, because it's not about me at the end of the day. Like, and I could just say that. And the other, that's one side, but the other side is like being the greatest artist I could be, whether it's visual artists or martial artists, musical artists, and Overall, just have a full palette. My father and my mother raised me and my brothers to be Renaissance men. What What do you mean by Renaissance men? Like, I know what the term means, but what 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 do you? Oh, a jack of all trades. Like right. you could be able to do everything. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Be able to write whatever you want, whether it's rap, whether it's um, books, or whether it's screenplays, whatever the case may be. And when it comes down to art, it could be able to draw anything in whatever medium. When it comes down to fighting be able to be well-versed in both boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing, karate. Like, you could be able to translate it in any form. I love that. That's great. But in the game of hip-hop at the moment, are you able to figure out who's telling the truth or who's being real to themselves or not? Do you see you see certain artists really well-known at the moment? I'm not going to say any names, but do you have a better bullshit detector because you're an artist you can see oh their flow is off or not legitimate or authentic or you know that artist is is not true to himself or herself you got some people that's like true to themselves and then you know you can make that argument when people was talk, calling Lil B trash when I was like young you know what I'm saying and then they bypass like they hear suck my dick hole and they be like oh this motherfucker's trash and then when he does the double XL freestyle he kills he kills it and everybody's like, what the fuck? He can rap? And then you hear his Joe Budden disc, and it's to a T, great. Or def, def a rap, it's great. You know what I'm saying? R.I.P. the rap game, it's great. Yeah. But you bypass it because the stuff that went viral is all the stuff that he was known, the base stuff, you know? So you could say certain people are authentic to themselves, and some people put on the front because it's like half and half at the end of the day. I could see half and half with some people and other people. Some people do the dumb shit because the shit that they was doing before was not hitting. Yeah. So have you got specific artists in mind when you're when you're in the community or you're touring or you're playing live, you're thinking about let's take Drake, for example. I really like his songs and stuff. Do you think he's kind of true to himself? Yeah. Drake is authentic to himself. The music he makes, it comes off natural because he's authentic to himself. Yeah. It is what it is. Same with Kanye West. Same with um, Kid Cudi. Same with all these guys. They're all authentic to themselves. That's why it makes them great. Yeah. 
a lot of people take the piss out of Drake because he went from, you know, Degrassi high to to the career that he's had. But I don't really care about that because I just think the songs are really good. Like, why did why why care? Yeah, why? Just because he came from a TV show on Team Nick doesn't mean he didn't have no form of struggle. Most people think like, oh, I've seen you on TV, you haven't struggled. But nah, bro, like a lot of people struggle. A lot of people look at me and be like, oh, he talked about anime, this, that, and the third. Oh, this motherfucker's a nerd. But they have no idea where the fuck I came from. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where you came from. I'm Before we do that, I actually, um, this burning question that I want to ask you, Denzel, do you think hip hop has a misogyny problem? And I can explain what I mean by that. Like, there is certain elements in hip hop culture where we want to own what we say, obviously, and we, we all want to be that because there's a lot of activism right now, a lot of momentum in how people are feeling politically, socially, culturally. But I also feel like in order to back that up, there needs to be a kind of ownership of language, of lyrics. And this is what I'm saying. I asked Killer Mike about this. It was interesting. And so if there are mentions of the word ho or whatnot in there, do you think that there is work to do? I mean, yes, of course. Like the game has a misogyny problem. Like you can see with certain artists who'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to work with this person if she ain't going to let me fuck or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, it does have a misogyny problem. And I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you and be like, no, no, it don't. It's just been like that for years. It has been like that for years, but we didn't bypass it. And then it's that and homophobia. Those are like the main two things that they have a problem with. Um, homophobia, misogyny problem, and a trans problem. You know what I'm saying? So... It's probably a bit uncomfortable for you, but do you say words that you feel like you shouldn't be saying, but you need to say it because the culture expects you to say it? Nah, I say what I feel. It's not even like that. Back in the day, I used to say shit like faggot and shit, but that was due to the fact I used to follow our future Wolfgang Kill Em All. Like, and we were just throwing faggot around loosely. Yeah. But I'm interested... What needs to happen then if there is an inherent problem or misogynistic problem or a homophobic problem in the hip-hop culture? What what needs to happen? People just need to learn other people. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to rock with it. It's just not like, it's not like, listen, you know, if you have a homophobic problem, well, you need to hang out with a gay person and just chill with them. Not all gay people are like, ooh, ah, I'm trying to suck your dick. Like, nah, bro. Like, it's not <laughs> like that at all. But it's just like, you got to learn how they are. You just feel I me? Mean? That's what I had. A, um, I was telling my cousin this, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I feel like if you're friends with a gay person as a comedian, you can crack jokes because it will be accurate. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you mean? Like, if you're a comedian, you have a gay homie and say you have a gay joke in your stand-up act, right? You can crack those jokes because at the same time, you're being accurate. You're not being ignorant at that point. Yeah, comedy is a tough one, though. Don't you think, Denzel? Like, I'm a big fan of saying whatever you want. We have a real free speech problem right now. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, the Sorry, thing about 
the thing about free speech, man, like you see it all over TikTok, Twitter. They doing everything to cut that shit out, to cut out free speech. Hmm. If you notice, you can't say shit no more. I'm not on TikTok, but I get what you're saying. TikTok, Instagram, they will block you. They will wipe out your whole shit if you say something. I don't agree with hate speech. I'm not a, you know what I'm saying? Hate speech like, oh, I hate this certain race and this, that, and third. I'm not, I'm not with all that shit. But at the same time, it's just like people can say what they want to say. It's up to you if you want to listen to it or not. Yeah. Well, that's the argument. Like, but people don't. They, I was just saying that, like, that's the argument to be made. But, you know, one of one of the things that that people really are not doing right now is they're 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 so they're so reactionary that people take to the streets. So what you say on social media or in the digital world actually comes on IRL. And then you're just as emotional as you were in the digital world as you are walking the streets now. So now I'm a ticking time bomb. Now I'm now I'm ready, I'm ready to let go. And you, do you know what I mean? Man, I feel I get where you're coming from though. But half of the time, I just feel like people don't even care. Like, they just want to show that they care. You know what I mean? Nobody really gives a fuck. They're going to cancel somebody and go back to what they was doing a a week later. Yeah, 100%. Like, I just feel like people just do that just to fuck with somebody. But it could happen to them, too. Like, nobody um, really pays attention to somebody unless they're under a microscope like me. Do you feel like you're under a microscope? Yeah. Nobody cares what your Twitter looks like until you get famous. Nobody cares what your Instagram was like until you get famous. Well, that's Nobody not technically cares. true, though. Like, I read a book by this guy, John Ronson, and it, it was called Shame. And it's horrible. It's about all these people that wrote tweets or posts on Facebook or whatnot. And their lives changed overnight because somehow they went viral. And their lives were turned upside down. It's horrific. Like Denzel, like, you know, I mean, they made some very poor judgment posts, but this is the world that I'm talking about now. Like, I can't say stuff on on platforms. I have to hold back, you know, 50, 60% of what I have to say now because I'm afraid, like, who is it going to upset? How is it going to upset them? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people need to get upset. 100%. Me, I say what I say. But I say if I could back it up with facts, I don't say shit that's going to potentially harm somebody or get somebody harmed. That's not what I'm in it for. Yeah. Well, let's talk about therapy for a sec, because it's a big, big backbone emotionally for you, because I know you've been through a lot. I've been told not to ask you about some of it. So please. Yeah, just don't. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not going to. I, I understand the fragility around it. And I. I understand, you know, it's out there in the in the public domain anyway, so there's no need to to discuss it. But in terms of therapy, you know, I'm in therapy. Everyone's in therapy. They probably would need to be after what going through COVID for the last two years. So what do you feel like therapy has given you in terms of lyric writing, but also in terms of like resiliency or seeing the world in a different way? Because I feel like there is a stigma in perhaps the hip hop culture, maybe I'm assuming, I don't know, you can tell me wrong, that therapy is an option. Well, when you, therapy in a black community, when you say I'm gonna go to therapy, they'd be like, why the fuck you going to therapy? You could talk to me. Like, 
Like, you can holler at me. It's like, bro, some of the shit you just don't understand. And I'm not going to burden you with my troubles. I'm going to go to therapy and get professional help. Like, they don't understand that. Some people be like, oh, do that or go to church. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes, church works if I talk to God, you feel me? But at the same time, what's going to, like, me putting a dollar in the collection plate ain't going to solve anything. Right. You want an, an objective pair of eyes and ears that are going to listen to what you have to say and offer you professional advice. Yeah, I just want to mine everything that was bothering me and just like digging and just dig it all out. Once I figure that out, you know, you just kind of got to go with it. And it's really hard when you're trying to recover because you can always relapse. You can always fall back into your old habits because they were so ingrained into your system already that it's, you know what I'm saying? Am I able to ask you what are you recovering from? No, you cannot ask me. That's not that's not up to you. No, no, fair enough, fair enough. But what what in terms of therapy then, like the journey that you're on with the therapist, do you see this as like a long-term project? Because I the 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 therapy that I've been in, X amount of sessions, and then you feel like, you know, you've you've gotten what you need out of it. But some people, like friends of mine, I've been in therapy for five, six, seven, eight years. I want to be in there for a long time until I could get my shit together. <laughs> it's ma- mainly like maintenance. Like I was so angry and depressed for years and I would have never known what it was for. And then when I figured it out, you know, you become less depressed and then you become less angry. Yeah. And then, you know. The 180 is quite expensive, by the way. 180 is expensive, but it works. <laughs> Therapy went from me being afraid of being alone to actually not minding it. I don't care to be alone. I like the solitude. I see. So you were anxious about being alone, but now you feel a lot more comfortable being in your own company. Yeah. But that's a but that's a huge step, I think. That's great. I don't mind my own company. I'm cool with it. Yeah. What's the last film you went to see on your own? Man, I went to go watch Dragon Ball Super, the movie, yesterday. And it was like a 6 out of 10. I went to see Top Gun on Saturday on my own. How was that? I loved it. I'm not a... I wasn't ever a huge fan of Top Gun, but everyone's talking about it. The reviews have been insane. You should see it. It's really good. I didn't even see the first Top Gun. No, me neither. I saw half of it, like, years ago, but... It's really well done. What do you think of Tom Cruise? He's such an interesting, strange guy. Uh, I don't think anything of him. I like Mission <laughs> Impossible. That's my favorite Mission Impossible. But other than that, I don't really think too much about um, Tom Cruise like that. Tell me, Denzel, there are a lot of crises in America right now. I mean, we see it from the outside. You know, you have an obviously horrific gun problem day doesn't go by when the rest of the world doesn't hear about a shooting every day somewhere in America. You know, you've got massive polarization, infrastructure problems, all that kind of stuff. For a 27-year-old man, that's a lot to kind of deal with, especially someone that's channeling these issues for inspiration. You know, one of the best lyrics that you've had, which I, which I really loved, was I'm watching massacres turn to run in mascara. How do you how do you deal with all the 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 crisis in America at the moment? How how do you feel you go about channeling it? I mean, I just go to the studio and channel it through music because um, when it came down to the gun problem, 
I remember I made a song called Chopping, and it was a Ronnie J beat. We um I went to the studio to record it because my cousin ended up getting murdered just going to a party and they shot the whole party up and like 20 people got shot. Where was this? In in which this was in Miami. Oh Miami. Yeah, so I remember writing that song the day that happened. My mom called me like, yo, like your cousin, like our cousin just got killed and stuff like that. She was fighting for her life in the hospital. She didn't make it. Yeah, it was it's crazy. But when you're talking about just going to the studio, there must be more to it. Are you sitting down, you're thinking about issues? You must you feel like you have a responsibility now that you have so many followers and people listening to what you have to say, Denzel. Do you do you feel a there is a responsibility to speak up about that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I do have a responsibility every time I go in there because words are powerful. If I'm just spatting out fuck shit, what you think is gonna come to my life? Fuck shit. <laughs> I say things I try to do things in the most interesting way possible so that way they'll never get tired of listening yeah so how do you write then do you lie down and just kind of sit for an hour and meditate or do you just hit the mic and then let your mind open up on on the on in the studio I mean how do you actually how do you actually write your flows I just write it. I just, you know what I'm saying? If I'm really feeling it, it goes with the beat first. Whether I'm feeling the beat or I have something in my head, it just goes. But the beat is the main thing that's important. That's right. how I'm going to be able to all of it out. But sorry to be so specific. Are you using pen and paper? Pen and paper, phone, and sometimes freestyles. Right. And it takes you like, a while to like memorize it or are you like actually adding stuff in and changing it as you're doing it? I've rapped it to myself a few times. Once I like start, I'd like write and rap it, write, rap it, write, rap it, write, rap it, add more. And then like I go through the whole thing to make sure it sounds good and then I go lay it down. I listen to it. If it sounds too red, like if it feels like I read it off too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Have you been in an experience when rapping a song or rhyming a song like or, or 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 putting a piece together where it was so real and raw for you that you just took a moment, you went outside after and you had to deal with your emotions because it was just too much? The only time I really felt like that was when I was writing Melt Session 1. I didn't play that song for months because it was so real. Can you give us an idea of of uh, what 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 it was about? Uh, just basically what I was dealing with in my life at that current moment, like everything that been bothering me, and I just one day just sat and wrote all of it out, and then I recorded all of it, and then I didn't play that song for a long time until it was like you know, obviously just do for the album, but. Yeah, I didn't play that song for a minute until I like started finishing up the album again. Yeah, are you? Where are you at now? You 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 you're continuing your tour in the United States, I saw. But in terms of like your inspiration and what what you're channeling right now, we were talking about, you know, what America's going through right now. What what are you what are you thinking about? What what are you? What are you talking about with your friends? What what are the what are the issues that you're that you're interested in? Well, 
not even in American issues. My issues stem from like the lack of things I have. Like that's my current issues right now. And mean writer's block. I have a crazy writer's block right now. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was, I just haven't been able to write or been able to fill anything out because I've been on the road. I haven't been able to like really sit down with my thoughts really. So the moment I do get the time to like really sit down with my thoughts, that's when I can be able to channel things better. But it's always um, go, 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 go. You got to go here, 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 got to go here. I'm always on the go. So I'm distracted. I don't really have the time to really like sit down and be like, damn, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. You know, I just I write something and then I'd be like hard to find like the next line and I just give up. Yeah. So your fans must be like anxious about that. They need to hear something from you. Yeah, but they're going to. They're going to hear something from me. It's just I just got to do what I got to do, you know. But what and, do you, how are you feeling when you get writer's block? I mean, for a hip hop artist, I mean, but you're, you're quite prolific as well. Like you release a lot of stuff, but at this point, you're just focused on putting out stuff. How are you feeling when, when you have writer's block? Does it make you anxious? Do you talk to your therapist about it? Nah. The crazy thing is, the moment I do talk to my therapist, I'm able to write a lot. Like I'm right. able to write a lot. My therapist minds everything from inside me, and then I can be able to, translate it the best way I can on um, wax. You ever play your therapist stuff before it, 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 it hits the public just to kind of get a sense check? I never played my therapist any of my music. Does she know who you are? She obviously knows who you are, but does she, does she, uh, do you think she ever listens to your music? No, she's an old white lady. She's, she's not listening. Okay. You have fans like Thundercat, Billie Eilish, Glass Animals, which is really it's incredible does that do you feel like there's a you it inspires you to work harder when you hear how how much they love you or what you're doing like you, you have that kind of platform to show showcase your uh artistic mindset or whatnot i mean yeah billy was a fan thundercat me and him are like them they're cosmic brothers you know what i'm saying and glass animals they those guys was writing about me when i was a teenager what do you mean they, um, they used to run a blog site back in the day, and they used to cover all my underground shit. Really? Everybody, had, all these bigger acts, like, know me for some reason. Like, me and Kat met through um, Fly Low, and me and him are super close. Super close now. I was talking to him, to him the other day. But um, majority of his people either came to shows or they were fans before. What blog were they running? I must, I should, I should. I, should I forgot know. what. They said it was like a little blog. They were just writing about their favorite, favorite things. And my mixtapes, they love my mixtapes. That's why they wanted to work with me so bad. Yeah, that's so, that's, that's so crazy. Yeah, it's crazy the success they've had as well. Who would you like to work with? You said, I remember in the past, you said Outcast is like your, uh, is your, your be-all and end-all. Well, yeah, um, Andre, working with Andre 2000, be-all, be end-all. I don't have to win a Grammy or nothing. I could just, hey, I work with Andre 2000. My mission is complete. I don't got to do any of this shit no more. I'm good. But I, f I feel like the thing about Andre 3000 that makes him so unique is this disregard for boundaries, especially within the hip hop culture, because we discussed that earlier. I mean, he, he could do an opera and no one would care. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, because it's 150,000. We'll love it regardless. Yeah. So in terms of your writer's block and what you're going to release next, what what does 2023 look like for you? You're going to start uh, getting back into the studio once you have enough enough that you've written about or yeah i'm definitely going back into the studio i gotta stay in people's faces like i can't stop i can't stop what i'm doing but i gotta make sure everything i drop next year and the year after that is quality but the quantity i need that quality everything that i'm gonna do here just like i did with melt is gonna be quality whatever i drop quality different flows different everything quality though Everything's going to be quality. I'm going to make sure I spaces. In terms of quality, what, what's the lyric that you really stand by in your work? If we're going to finish this the right way, it has to be based on, on the power of words. So what's a lyric? Or you, you can recite it back to me if you want that um, in your own way that, that you really stand by, that you're really proud of. I dedicate this to the ones I hurt. It's time to get my spirit right on earth before my sins become an evil curse. Conquer thirst, can't revert to who I was at first. I channel God through this verse. Accountability, I take responsibility for all my actions. I pack them in these soliloquies. Just because we're not friends don't mean we're enemies. Thank you all for listening. Send it y'all with good energy. Beautiful, man. Thank you, Denzel. No, you're welcome, man. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this chat. I mean it. And uh, thank you for being so open with me and showing me your heart. And yeah, I, I wish you all the best. And uh, hopefully I get to see you in the flesh one day at a show and experience the uh, Denzel Curry up close. Thanks again. Is there any final words? Stay blessed. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. Hey there, this is Ari Stein. And you've been listening to the 52 Insights Podcast. Thank you to Portico Quartet for their track Endless and to bearvalue.com for their production work. Make sure you to sign up to my newsletter on my website and subscribe to my podcast on Apple and Spotify to get notifications of when my next podcast will drop.